Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode, I sit down with Kevin Dragseth. Kevin is our volunteer coordinator. He also helps out in the office as an admin assistant. Um, And Kevin worked at Bethany before in years past and at other churches as well. And that's part of what we talked about today. At first, we talked about his work with this collaborative youth group model in the Fort Collins area. But then our conversation shifted into discussions about the future of the church and the use of technology. Uh, It's a really cool conversation. We had a ton of fun. We do this all the time, and I'm glad that we got to record it and share it with you now. So this is obviously a part of our continuation of the Staff Stories series. Thanks for your support of this, uh, for your continued listening. And yeah, thanks for sharing the podcast with family and friends who might be interested in what's going on here. But now I'm going to turn it over to this conversation between Kevin Dragseth and myself. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. We're continuing with our Staff Stories series, and it is the long-awaited, often-talked-about and predicted return of Kevin Dragseth to the podcast podium. Hello, Kevin. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. We're sitting in my office. Um, We're surrounding a space heater because there's no heat in the office. But that also means that our conversation has to be really lively um, to get the energy and the blood pumping. We hope you enjoy this. Uh, I'm bringing Kevin on, and we were trying to think of a a fun topic for us to discuss. And and so it kind of starts, Kevin, with your work in youth ministry after you left Bethany. Last time you were on the podcast, you kind of walked us through your faith journey and talked about your time here as a youth director, and then you went off and worked in youth groups in other churches up in Fort Collins, correct? Yes. Go ahead. So, uh, went up to, uh, was given a phone call from a pastor up in Fort Collins. They had four congregations that none of them had what they felt were really sizable or um, um, meaningful enough size youth groups. Yeah. And they were looking to figure out a way that they could combine their youth groups, um, but everybody could still kind of still feel at home at their home congregations. So um, I came up with them. They The pastors had kind of started um, everything up um, that year. They were doing confirmation together. They were doing some youth fellowship events together as well. Nice. Um, so when I came up in March of 15, um, Started in right away with uh, um, just getting to know all the different congregations. It was kind of weird. Actually, right away, it was only three of the congregations. Um, getting to know all the staff, getting to know all the youth, who's yeah, who from places. Yeah. Um, was averaging three services on a Sunday morning, trying to hit one church at different You went times. to three church services? Yeah, I would just drive around town. I, I, I would never go to a whole one. I don't even do that. I know. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't make it to a whole one, but I'd like pop in, and then the pastors were really intentional about making sure to introduce me and cool. make sure people knew who I was. Um, and then that summer did our first uh, youth mission trip um, all together, which was kind of the big thing that kind of sealed the group kind of being really close and uh, working nice. together really well. So it was, four, it was three ELCA churches Within a year, it was the fourth ELCA congregation in Fort Collins. Uh, it was called Foco Lou for Fort Collins Lutherans. Mm-hmm. Um, and we shared space for um, everything, which was really neat. So we rotated on a quarterly basis where confirmation was, where youth group was, um, where we'd meet for fellowship events. Um, and then for special events, each church kind of had its own unique um, 
setups. So one of them had an indoor basketball court. Um, one of them had a huge yard with a city park connected to it. Um, another one had a river that ran through it. No another one had its own um, youth house, like this house that they built next to the church. So it was fun for the kids then to be able to like rotate to different spaces. Oh, they loved it. Yeah. yeah. So we did like one of the first things within, it was uh, as soon as the fourth church joined, this was about five or six months after I had started, one of the first big events we did to make sure everybody felt like each of the congregations and the properties were theirs is we did a... Um, we did a um, progressive church service. No way. Yeah, and we rented limos. So we had a senior high limo bus and a middle school limo bus. And we drove around <laughs> town. And we, so we did like the gathering. At and one church. Scripture at one church. And then the kids from that church gave tours of the whole property. We walked the property lines. They sh we sh had them show the offices, the, every last thing they knew, every single room. And then we'd hop back in the limos, we'd drive around for half an hour, then we'd go to the next church, and we did the sermon. And uh, yeah. uh, then we'd hop back in the limos. We had food catered on the buses. So cool. And all this stuff. And then half an hour, and then we'd stop at the next church. Same thing, kids gave tours of their church. And everybody was so impressed that, like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of like it's my church now because I'm kind of part of this group now. It was really, really neat. And... Um, that's kind of how we introduced everybody that, hey, these are all your churches now. Yeah, so now, how long How long did you serve that, like, conglomeration? Three years. Three years. Yeah. What I'm wondering about, um, like, that's such a neat way to start it. Did it ever happen, like, you obviously rotated where youth group met, but, like, did the crew then get together on Sunday mornings at a specific congregation? Did they ever, like, coordinate that? Or, like, or did they Sunday all mornings were, were your, your own, own congregations. Huh. So they did their own Sunday school stuff there. I didn't run any of their Sunday schools. I didn't do any of the individual church stuff. I only did collaborative work between the four congregations. Anything I did was on behalf of all four churches. So I didn't run any churches' individual youth stuff on Sundays or anything. It's a cool, it's a really cool vision for it um, and for the way that it works. I mean, I, I did something like that on a much smaller scale in Buffalo where there was just one other, there were only... <laughs> By the time I was done in Buffalo, there were only four congregations left within the city limits. Um, and two of them didn't have youth groups or confirmation classes. So I worked with the other one and the two of us shared confirmation together, which again, just like getting to a critical mass is super important. I feel like in those settings of just having enough people so that it's mm -hmm. not, you know, the pastor and one confirmation student just hanging out yeah. together. So so here's what I'm wondering about, though. We, we were kind of talking about this and bringing this up as a topic because it's a fascinating story. But you also kind of think that there's a lot to be gained um, or a lot of ways that the church should be kind of thinking and considering that type of model even on a larger scale. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's... The, the church is evolving yeah. as a whole, and it's always going to evolve, and... Nobody's going to agree on what church should look like. Nobody ever, 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 and that's okay. The original 12 were hanging out with the man himself and couldn't agree on how to right. process what... They had 14 different opinions. Right, about, yeah. on how, and, you know, and had a split, multiple splits. So, and that's, and again, that's okay. The, the thing is, you know, in churches, I believe in any 
church across the board. There's a couple extreme ones out there that I can't quite see where they're, <laughs> what their end game is. But for the most part, all of us have the same end goal, what we're working towards. We're working for people to have a relationship with Christ. Good. Right? Mm-hmm. The only difference is how we think we get to that point. How do we get to that relationship with Christ? Agreed. And so all that we disagree on is the delivery system. Do we think that we love all people regardless, and that's how we do it? Do we think that we adhere to rules and, and, um, and laws? That's how I think that we have a relationship with Christ. Is we, I don't, but I'm saying like people Right, right, some that, people say that. And some people think that reading scripture is the way to um, a relationship with Christ. Some people think that praying is the way to a relationship with Christ. Or some even like worship that. style is a really great one of like, is it going to be deeply meaningful to do like liturgical worship that's really historic and right been yep. a part of the church for thousands of years? Or do you go with more emotional, yep. modern day music that might connect more yep, with exactly. a person's taste? And, yeah. the, and the correct answer is yes. Right. All of them are correct. Mm-hmm. But we get so caught up in our ways that we think that our way is the only way that um, works. And we get divisive and mean and hateful towards other groups that might be doing it a different way. Um, I always had to laugh in um, Fort Collins. There's a, a community evangelical church that does really, really well up there. And I felt like all the Lutherans were always like, well, yeah, the church. It's like... <laughs> Why does everybody hate them? They're, they do some great, great, great stuff. Yeah. They just do it in a different way than we do it. They just have a different delivery than, than well, you guys do. What's funny, too, the, what I've seen often is um, there's also the, like, oh, like the longing for conformity that also can result. So, the, right, there's two options. That I had the same phenomenon in my church in Buffalo, and there was, like, the huge evangelical church down the street or around the corner. And everybody, like, there, there seemed to be this real sense amongst the Lutherans, like, gosh, like, why can't we be more like the evangelical church? Like, we need to put in a coffee shop and get a rock band and all these pieces. Because yeah. um, that church was really successful, right? Like, most of the Buffalo churches were dying, but I forget what the name of it was. Cornerstone, I think? Yeah, Corn- always Cornerstone. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and they, you know, and they were just, like, thriving. And so yeah. I was like, oh, we just need to do what they do. Yeah. But what I always, like, I always push back against that, too. Of like, no, you need to do what, who God made you to be. Yeah, Like, exactly. just, just, like, own it and love it and be comfortable with it. Because I think, yeah. and I think that's, I think that's really important in this day and age because our generation and those younger than us have such a strong, like, BS meter and, and just want authenticity. Yeah. You know, like, we, we know when people are faking Yep. We know when people are not being true to themselves. And, and and I think people can even sense that within, like, a large system, like a church, and be like, no, like, they're they're trying to do the rock band thing, but they stink at it. Oh, yeah. And no one's comfortable with it, and this is just awkward now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is, like, 90% of the time in a Lutheran <laughs> church. Exactly. When, yeah. Whereas, if you could just own it and be like, no, like, we're, like we're weird, you know? And like, yeah. we, we love the liturgy and traditional music. Exactly. and. But or we're going to do that really well. That we're really, really good at this. You yeah. Know, the, the, the neat thing about going to four churches in a city is that you started, there's people who got that and that understood, and to me, uh, properly understood, that every, every congregation has its gifts. Yeah. And that each person has differing needs for how they're going to, 
for how their faith works or is driven. So it was neat over the years to start seeing faces out of context because, oh, that's Ed and Marlis. I see them on Sunday mornings at Our Saviors, mm -hmm. but I always see them on Wednesday nights over at Shepherd of the Hills. And after you sit down and talk to them, they're like, we just we like the worship style on Sundays over here, but we really get more out of the smaller group Bible studies that they offer over here on a on a Wednesday night. Cool. So there's people that are doing this already that understand like, hey, we don't have to be tied to this one place. Yeah. We we have four options in this town that fit our ELCA desire and theologies, but. They all have different ways of doing all these things. So where does Trinity fit into this? Where does Spirit of Joy fit into this? Where do I fit into it within each of those congregations? And over time, I mean, with the model especially, people started. we started seeing people crossing over for all kinds of stuff, which was really, really neat. Um, but there are people that understand, um, you know, kind of that... The idea that not every church can offer everything, and why should we look for that from everybody? Yeah, I often tell people that, you know, as a food guy myself, that you know I would never go to the same breakfast place for all three meals in the day. No, exactly. I'm not committed. Well, and a lot of them don't even aren't, don't even bother right. offering. Exactly. Yeah, my yeah. favorite breakfast place is Snooze, and they don't. Yeah, they you don't go in there. They for close supper. at like three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So own what you're good at, like a restaurant does. That's what you specialize in, and that's what people come for. And they're going to go to other places for their other means of being fed. It's so, natural that that's going to happen. What's interesting about what you're saying, though, I think it makes a lot of sense in smaller contexts especially, um, right? Like just smaller congregations with less resources, like probably those four churches in Fort Collins. It's interesting to think about it in a larger congregation like Bethany where we have, we have the ability to offer a lot. And I think we really do. And, and right, like, the, the, you know, it, and we don't expect, you know, all of the, that any one person would go to every single program that exists mm -hmm. here. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, I, I would be interested to hear you kind of reflect on what you're talking about within the context of a place like Bethany, where, where it's a lot larger, where we do have a lot more resources, where we do have a lot, you know, large diversity of programs, and yet yeah. we don't have everything. I mean, I'm just wondering, like, how do you, how do you kind of think about having worked in both types of contexts? Um, the way that Bethany should be kind of approaching all of this, right? Like in message that we should give to our members. Right. Well, and in the same way, a couple, you know, my head goes to a couple different places on this. Okay. One way, Bethany kind of is a collaboration church. When you have this many church and this many perspectives Agreed. coming into creating what happens here every week, you know, your Bible study that you're going to get out of you know, maybe the program staff is going to be different than the Bible study you're going to get out of maybe pastoral staff or volunteer yep. um, volunteer um, members. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, there's things that we can do as a congregation in leadership and in advocacy that incorporate all the other congregations around us as well. So how do we be more of a leader yeah. with those congregations cool. and an encouragement to those congregations that are going through some tough times that um, that it's okay yeah. and that we're going to be here for you no matter what. So, you know, I think the big thing facing, you asked earlier about the future of the church in regards to this, 
church membership is shrinking across the board. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's only a couple ways to, to uh, fix that overall. Culturally, the church isn't going to grow leaps and bounds anytime soon. Mm-hmm. The opposite's happening. Probably not. And, and there's good in that, too. Um, at the same time, congregation, um, with congregations shrinking so much, the amount of congregations that are existent is also shrinking. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like the amount of pressure on even neighboring churches here at Bethany, Lutheran, ELCA, within a six-mile radius, there's probably one or two that probably are having difficult conversations about how much longer that congregation will be viable. Agreed. And yeah. where does a place like Bethany fit into that? To, to walk alongside of these congregations and say, hey, this is rough stuff, but it doesn't have to be sold to a developer. You know, let's maybe think collaboratively on what this could look like. Right. Moving forward, you know, what if, um, I know our congregation is big on, let's say ours, we say, is big on advocacy for homeless. Yep. And they come back and say ours is, has always been traditionally known as a music church, and we can say us too. So how do we now combine these few things, and is there any possibility that we can work together on some things here moving forward and make that process of closure or potential closure look a little bit easier? It, in, it, it enables us to be able to um, grow where we feel we have the most gifts and passion and energy, and it allows another congregation to mm-hmm. you know, feel like they have some um, meaning in the community by just by number of people you know it's a lot different worshiping and it's very powerful to worship with five seven people but there's a lot of congregations in town that are worshiping with five to seven people yeah and that's okay but it's not sustainable and right but um you know you have a facility there that we probably could use to expand on some of the things that we wish we could do potentially i don't know exactly what all bethany's visions are but let's totally. say we're homeless and, you know, every church has 25 rooms in it. Mm-hmm. What can we do with that? No, it's fascinating. I mean, I just think that for so many people, well, and we all had to, the one good, th- one of the good things that came out of this pandemic is that it forced churches everywhere to live through an experience of having to shift mm-hmm. and having to rethink their, you know, how ministry is done and what ministry looked like. And, and this living through that experience, I'm hopeful that it can also, like for places that might be struggling, or, or for places that aren't struggling, but just to, to have to go through that reality again, too. Yeah. So like there's this, um, my friend is, uh, started a church in Rochester, New York, but um, the way that it was able to be possible is there was this church that was dwindling and closing, and what they finally decided to do is kind of as their lack that last act of ministry, they wanted it to transition so that this could then become the building for this new mission start. Exactly. exactly. Right, like kind of, there, and there was this whole like closing, ceremony, you know, closing worship service where they handed over, you know, the keys and not just the keys, but like the communion elements mm-hmm. and the Bible that they used in worship yep. and really blessed my friend Matthew for his ministry yep. starting there. Yep. Right, and that's, we get so caught up in like the way things always have been and, and a longing for the past as well, it seems like. Yep. Of just like, oh, I just wish things could go back to the way they used to be. Yep. I just wish 
that the church was as full and as vibrant as it was in the 1950s. Yep. Well, the 1950s aren't walking through the door. Yep, you know, exactly. like it's it's just it is a totally different cultural landscape yep. than people returning from World War II and starting families and hunkering yep. down in the suburbs yep. and going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the more that we can wrap our minds around that, too, and look for the creative edge, because I do think like I just think that's such a part of our faith and theologies like God is a creative God and God is constantly like making something out of nothing. That's. Mm-hmm so many stories so can we get on board with that mindset too and be like you know what like this is this is different than what i maybe wanted or expected but it's still really good oh yeah exactly and and that's where i get excited on the idea of for me the idea of you know facebook's going all in right now in metaverse yeah 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 Yeah, we've talked about this before it's it's gonna happen you know, it's and whoever tries it first obviously is going to get bashed the most because they're the ones uh-huh. experiencing most of the failure, but they're also the only ones truly, truly going all in on it. I mean, they're doing tens and tens of billions into this metaverse right now. They've lost for multiple quarters in a <laughs> row now a lot, a lot it of money. It better work, right? <laughs> right, but you, you think about what does the metaverse look like at a congregation like Bethany, right, where we would be able to Oof. potentially we could hold our campus still, have campus still, probably convert a bunch of the space into some multi-use spaces because we wouldn't have as many people on campus. But when you look at what could happen with um, with technology in this place, and we've already got such a jump start, which is why I'm excited to like yeah. start thinking about what it could look like, you know, with a 360... 360 degree worship experience mm-hmm. where when you're watching from home and if you know if you're wearing goggles it's one thing but even if you're just watching on your computer and you're using your mouse to move around the room you can see who is actually sitting there you can see who else is present whether they're at home or whether they're in the congregation sitting in the space you can look back if there's a glitch in the sound you can turn your screen and look back at the sound booth and watch them freaking out <laughs> If you want to, you know, so you're like in live time worship, Uh seeing exactly what's going on. And with that, you have the availability to be remote. You know, if you have multiple congregations, you know, and we could rotate between four and whoever the presiding pastor is that week, you can be doing, Mm -hmm. you can do communion Mm -hmm. at one church with one of your pastoral staff. You can do the sermon at a different church and all of it feeds in live together to be a whole worship experience where these four communities are all part of one, but they're... Well, even on a smaller scale, too, just thinking about, like, struggling congregations or, or just churches that are, like, in between having a pastor, right? Yeah. Or they or they can't afford one right now. To be able to step in and be like, hey, like, we just want to... We want to care for you. We want to assist you. We'd love it if you... Like, we're live streaming, and we're live streaming in this, you know, metaverse yep. way. We'd love it if you wanted to participate. Exactly. Right? Like, it is, exactly. it is here for you. We'll help you get the technology set up. And now we're saying all this stuff, and there's some people who are who are freaking out listening to it. Oh yeah, and I'm, sure. <laughs> and so but I understand exactly. It is a lot. It's it a, is a lot. It's a lot, and it's and it's not at all the way things used to be. Correct. Yeah. Right. This is a whole new world, and I don't even fully understand it as much as I'm trying to read about all of this. I don't fully understand it. I'm not even fully sold on it. Yeah. Um, you're more sold than I am. I am, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's right. Like, that's just what it means to to move forward. 
always, you know, like the, the future is always going to be different than what we expected yep. and different than what it is today. That's the, the nature and, of it. And the thing I like about technology coming in is it, it's, it's, we're lucky to have this hybrid space. Yeah. So right now it still has, we still have to have people here in order for the technology versions to have effect. Yeah. You know, you can't, you don't want to look around in the metaverse worship service and there's, Nobody's sitting in there. Yeah. You know, you still are doing that to try to feel like you're part of community. Otherwise, you'll just do the straight-on lame Facebook live feed that a lot of, I'm sure a lot of our relatives are posting on Sunday mornings because <laughs> they're so proud that their church can do a Facebook live. And it's sitting in the first pew, just kind of facing the pastor a little bit. But what, um, what we think about, too, what I want to add to this, though, in talking about technology, um, I don't think we own it enough as Lutherans that this is essential to our heritage. Yeah. And so you think about Martin Luther. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And, you know, we're, we're like, what are you talking about? Like, what technological Apple advancement do you use? The printing press. Yep. The reason the Protestant Reformation happened. Yeah, exactly. Luther got connected with the printing press and yep. got all his pamphlets out there. Yep, that was exactly. the hot technology of the yep. day, and he used it to his advantage. Yep, exactly. And the world changed because yep. of it. And, and I just think we have a risk. Like, that's part of who we are and what we should be thinking yep. about. What is the technology of our day? How can we use it to get the gospel message out there? Exactly. And so that's why I am at least wanting to always explore these things. That's why we can do a podcast, right? Like to exactly. explore these new avenues, these new frontiers. And for Bethany to be a hub, a, a technology hub, not not just a technology hub, sorry, but a hub for leadership, a hub for worship, right. a, a hub for um, faith formation. A trailblazer. A, yes, exactly. Right. If we have the and we have the technology in place you know i i believe that the you know synod level should be training congregations in all of their um lay leadership so i feel like the synod should be helping with what does it mean to be a council president what does it mean to be a council treasurer and all that stuff that's not what people are getting from synods a lot of the time yeah so how can we do that yeah, we excel at a lot of these things. We excel at leadership at this place. Mm-hmm. And how then do we take that technology and be a resource to other congregations? Um, whether it's whether it's in trainings, whether it's in leadership, whether it's in how tos. Um, yeah. And this, and the same for um, you know, if I was to say, what am I looking for from churchwide that feeds into this conversation? To me. I think with with the rate at which churches congregations are closing, I would look to um, churchwide to map out a plan here and give some realistic numbers to how many members does an average congregation need to remain viable. Yeah, and they need to put a. Um, I would like to see a twenty year plan that gives how many numbers of congregations they're going to have on their rosters by 2030 and how many how many how many congregations are going to be on the rosters by 2040 and help those congregations um make those decisions and kind of almost push the hand a little bit and say listen we're doing this for you we're going to do this with you we're going to give you holy closure we're going to work alongside of you we're not making we're not going to make your council make all of these decisions on their own but the reality is coming it's here and well, and, and with that too, like it's about, I, I, it is coming and it feels, I'm sure when people hear you say that a lot of the time, it feels 
nihilistic and, and, and right like that we're just assuming that these are all going to close but i think that's also the wrong mindset and what that mm-hmm. what churchwide can do or, or etc like in this just recognizing the new landscape and encouraging congregations to pivot to collaborate yep. to um you know close out a chapter in order to birth a new chapter yep. like like the church i talked about in rochester right like that was facilitated by the synod and helped along by the synod and to the congregation's credit, they were on board with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just part of like, we need to have this work of envisioning, right? Like just knowing that ministry can change and that it can shift and that it can adopt. And it's not a failure because exactly. it feels like a failure when we say closure, but in the same sense, right? Like to be, to be all, you know, preacher about it. Like it felt like a failure on good Friday, but it wasn't. Yep, exactly. It was, it, it, and, and we have to have that faith in, new possibilities, um, new life, resurrection. It, like, that's the whole gospel message. And so we can, new things can happen, things can change, things can shift, and it's not exactly. a and I and, I, and it reminds me also of when my parents decided finally to move out of the childhood house that we were all in. Mm. And you sit in that house the night before the move, and yeah. you're just devastated. Yeah, You're like, I'm never going to sit in this house again. And then... The next night, when everything is moved into the new place, and you look around, and it's the same pictures on the wall, mm. and it's the same furniture, and the same people are still sitting around the table together, just inside huh. different walls, you're like, this ain't so bad. Yeah. I was picturing everything being different in this new place, and it's not. That's so well said, Kevin. That's so well said. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, hey... We chatted for a long time. This was great. We went all over the place. Uh, I appreciate you. I love these conversations. Kevin and I talk about this stuff all the time. Um, and so it's really fun to bring other people in on it. But, um, yeah, thanks for all you do here, Kevin. Yeah, love it. Love talking with you. Love this well, vision. And, hey, listener, I hope you enjoyed this tour de force of all sorts of ideas about the church collaboration and moving forward in the future. Thanks for listening. Stay in peace.